Have you ever considered that authenticating and legalizing your international documents could give you the competitive edge? We tell you all you need to know on episode 64 with Dan from International Docs Canada. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Hello and welcome back to all our Two Babes listeners. Today is an exciting day in the studio for us because we are launching a series focused on women in supply chain so we can support, promote, and highlight the amazing things women in supply chain are doing. Part one kicks off with an amazing woman, Ellen Voya, who is the founder of Women in Trucking. As the founder of Women in Trucking Association in March of 2007, Voya currently serves as the nonprofit organization's president and CEO. The Women in Trucking Organize, uh, Association was formed to promote the employment of women in the trucking industry, remove obstacles that might keep them from succeeding, and to celebrate the successes of its members. Voya's prior role was the manager of retention and recruiting programs at Schneider Inc., North America's largest truckload carrier. She was responsible for creating corporate-level programs to encourage non-traditional groups to consider careers in the trucking industry and designed initiatives to eliminate or reduce irritants that led to driver dissatisfaction which ultimately affects turnover. She was also responsible for the communication to drivers. Executives Magazine, oh, Voya also was named one of Supply and Demand Chain Executive Magazine's 2016 Pros to Know, which honors select supply chain executives who are leading initiatives to help their clients, companies, or the supply chain community at large to prepare for the significant challenges in the year ahead. In May 2016, she was chosen as one of fleet owners' dozen outstanding women in trucking. In 2017, Voya was named to Insight Success Magazine's The 30 Most Inspirational Leaders in Business. Voya has written extensively about trucking and family issues, and her articles have appeared in print and internet magazines. She has also published a book, Marriage in the Long Run, a collection of some of her most popular columns. Her most recent book, Crushing Cones, was written to provide potential drivers with information on what to expect when attending driver training school. In addition to these, she created a workbook for professional drivers and their families, which assists the driver's family in coping with the time and distance part. Wow. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, what an incredible career, and we are so excited for you to be here. Share your insights about mentorship and women and leadership. Well, thank you. I look forward to talking to your, to your listeners. Awesome. So let's get started. So why don't you tell us about women in trucking? Why did you start the company? What is what are the incredible things that you do that you bring to the world of supply chain? Well, the Women in Trucking Association, as you said, is a nonprofit um, organization. So I report to a board of directors, even though I'm the founder. But basically, we're an organization with a simple mission 
to increase the percentage of women employed in the transportation area. You know that it's a very male-dominated environment. So, But our mission is threefold, to encourage the employment of women um, in the trucking industry, to address obstacles uh, that might keep women from either entering the industry or succeeding, and then to celebrate successes. And, and there's many ways that we do that because we need to highlight the women who are already pioneers in the industry so other people can see that they have careers in transportation and are very successful. So um, over the 10 years that we've been in existence, it'll be actually 11 years in March of this year, we have grown to almost 4,000 members all over the globe. Uh, I get to go all over and speak in other countries to talk to them about their challenges in bringing more women in. Um, but more importantly, 17% of our members are men. And people often ask me, why would a man join women in trucking? And my response is, women in trucking isn't really for women as much as it's about women. So it's really about looking at challenges women face and helping them maneuver through a very male-dominated environment. Absolutely. And congratulations on the 11 years and the 4,000 across or, or globally. That's amazing. Thank you. So um, why is it important for companies to employ more women in leadership roles? Well, I like what Coca-Cola said. They said they want their customers and their suppliers, I mean, they want their leadership and their suppliers to reflect their customers. Well, almost everybody drinks soda. So the diversity at the top needs to reflect the diversity of the consumer. So, but in, in addition to that, it's been proven that when you have more women in leadership roles and on board seats, um, their profits are higher, um, their returns, whether they're publicly traded or privately held, um, it's because women have a different way of managing. Women take fewer risks and will ask a lot more questions. So when you do have women in leadership roles and women in boardrooms, um, it turns into a more collaborative uh, top line um, that actually does con make considerate um, more diverse opinions. So it really, the bottom line is that it brings in more profits and that's been proven over and over again. So if for that reason alone, I would think that more people would, more companies would want more women in leadership roles. Yeah, that's interesting. And also, we've been seeing that supply chain is also coming into the boardroom as well. So it's kind of, you know, more women are coming into the boardroom, supply chains coming into the boardroom, and it just seems like this. there's just a much more diverse conversation starting to happen. So That's correct. That's great. So then um, it takes me into my next point, right? Because we, we talk about women in leadership roles, but we, they've got to start somewhere. Um, we've got to talk about hiring and promoting women. Um, women, I was just actually listening or actually reading Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. And I love, I love, love, love the book. It, it's very thought provoking. It, it showed me a few different things that maybe I've done in my career that I didn't really think much of. And you're right. You know, women take risks a lot differently. Um, and they also handle promotion and uh, getting hired a lot differently, negotiation, et cetera, et cetera. So what should HR and organizations consider when hiring and promoting women? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we, I'm always on the lookout for good speakers for our conference. We just wrapped up our third women in trucking conference and we had over 500 registered people about 90 percent are women but there's men as well 
But over the last couple of years, some of our speakers have included Sarah Lashover, who wrote a book called Women Don't Ask. And she talks about negotiation skills. Negotiation is more uncomfortable for women because we're more collaborative, where men look at negotiating as Hey, this is fun. This is a game. Let's see what I can, you know, get that, you know, out of this other person. Um, but for women, it's more like, no, we want everyone to win. You know, we want everyone to be happy when we walk away from the table. But that hurts us in our careers because we're not asking for promotions. We're not asking for raises. We're not asking for um, benefits when we have come to a new job. The average female engineer, when she graduates college, accepts the first position where her male counterparts negotiate and start out $6,000 higher, which is about a half a million dollars over the course of their careers. So we need to be asking. We need to ask. We need to raise our hand, or as, as Cheryl Sandberg says, we need to lean in. Other things that we need to look for, especially as HR professionals, we need to set a level playing field. And by doing that, I mean don't ask someone what they made. Because it, it, women typically earn less than men. So if a, if a job is worth $83,000 and a woman applies and she's come from maybe a $62,000 um, career where a male applies and he's come in at, from uh, 79, that shouldn't matter. What matters is what the job is worth, what the, you know, the capabilities that are needed are worth to the company. So we need to stop asking for what the salary was in the past, and that will make it a little bit more level. But the other thing we need to look for is HR people have to be careful that they don't look at what women have accomplished and what men are capable of. Because research has shown that a lot of times they'll say, but what has she done? Where for men, they'll say, wow, just think of what he could do for this company. And that, that way of thinking right there puts women in a spot where you have to prove yourself already, where the guy is like, wow, you know, they're, they're looking at him as this is what he could bring to the company, but they're actually measuring the woman in a different way. And one other thing that HR people need to look out for is uh, when women are vocal and speak up, they're perceived in a negative way where men are vocal and speak up. They're seen as leaders so that's a double standard that both men and women have um, when when, talk, when interacting with our other women, especially leaders. So we need to be careful of that. Yeah, and I love what you say about the negotiation because I I just feel like it's a stressor for women. And you said that it's a game for men. And you know, going into that already, you know, into a hiring process already nervous and, and different things like that, adding that layer, layer of stress doesn't help at all. That's correct. And, and we don't like to put to make people uncomfortable. So negotiation um, is uncomfortable, more uncomfortable. I'm generalizing here, but it's more uncomfortable for women. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I also love what you say about, you know, collaboration. You know, that's what that's what women like to do. You know, they like to leave the room, making sure everybody um, feels good about what just happened and different things like that. And I truly believe moving into the future of business, it's going to be all about collaboration. So I love what you say you're saying there, whether it's, you know, collaboration in business with with different partnerships and integrations or whether it's, you know, women collaborating with women or women collaborating collaborating with men or women supporting women in different roles. Um, and I just think that it's just so important. And I think that with mentorship, we can 
definitely get over some of these hurdles. And I think it's really important for not only women, but men to have a mentor. But I think for women, it's just that much more important because it can help with, you know, different things like looking at risk. It can, it can help with, you know, maybe even practicing negotiation before you go into a hiring process. So how can mentorship help women take risks necessary to be promoted? Well, that's a great question. And first of all, um, I always tell women, don't limit your mentors to women because men are wonderful mentors. And sometimes they see things in us that we might not see in ourselves. The only negative about having a male mentor is you just have to be careful where you're meeting and, you know, uh, and things like that. But for having a mentor, it helps somebody who will guide you in the right direction, will speak up on your behalf, will introduce you to people that you might not have been introduced to before, but also they can help you learn from their own mistakes. So um, we, we did some, we've done some research and especially in the driver population, they don't ever turn down a mentor and it's rare for drivers to be offered a mentor, but a lot of, um, businesses now are starting networking events. And we have a lot of members who have come to us and said, how do we set up a networking group? So whether it's uh, Daimler or, you know, Michelin or, you know, organizations that um, are, again, very male dominated, but not necessarily in trucking um, companies, they're saying, hey, we, we want to reach out and help each other, um, you know, within our organization but we want to be, we want it to be a learning environment and a supportive environment as well. So a mentorship program has to be designed really well and it has to be, um, continuously nurtured. You can't just match someone up and walk away and say, Hey, make it work. You really have to engage them and check in on them and, and make sure that it's working for both of them. And sometimes personalities don't allow mentors to stay together. So then it's okay to walk away and say, you know what? This isn't working for me. Um, I would like to find someone else. But mentoring is very important. And we are setting up a social community network on our website as we speak. It should be ready just in a week or two because people have asked us, how can we gather as a group? So maybe you're mechanics or maybe you're engineers at a trucking company or at a, a freight a, a manufacturer or maybe you're a safety professional and you want to talk to other safety professionals in the industry, you'll be able to do that on our website um, and go in and connect with other people. They already do that at our, our conference. Women have told me that the number one reason they come to our conference is the networking opportunities, but now they'll be able to do that virtually. That's awesome. I love that. And we definitely need more of that. You know, smaller groups, not necessarily larger groups, but smaller groups where it's easier for, for people to, um, you know, spend the time and really connect with one another and talk about, you know, moving forward in their careers or what's stopping them from, from moving forward. So how else can a mentor help you in your career? I mean, we talked about taking the risks. You talked about networking or even connecting you to other people so that you can move your career in, you know, in a, in a, an upwards motion. I mean, Sheryl Sandberg talks about it as being, you know, more of a, a Lego puzzle rather than a, a, a corporate ladder. But how else can they help? I mean, I love the fact of connecting. I'm a connector myself and I love connecting people with people. So, so what else is there that a mentor can help with? 
a mentor really needs to challenge the mentee. They need to say to them, you know, they need to have them push themselves beyond their comfort zone. They need to help them manage risk. Um, you don't want to just take unnecessary risks, but you also do want to push yourself and get into positions that you wouldn't have done if somebody hadn't encouraged you and said, you know, you can do this and I'm going to help you do it. So having somebody maybe hold their hand or, you know, literally, um, I mean, figuratively, not literally, but, you know, to help them move up the corporate ladder. But more importantly, a mentor really needs to know the mentee enough so that they can identify areas that need more improvement. And sometimes we, we know that we're, you know, lacking in an area, but we don't really know what to do about it. So a mentor should have that, um, the ability to point that out and say, you know, you really need to work on this. Like maybe you're very defensive or, or maybe you, you shouldn't um, break down in the office. You need to work on keeping a stiff upper lip or something like that. But a mentor really needs to point out when a mentee is exhibiting behavior that might hold her back in her career. Yeah, and that would also help in the direction of continuing education. You know, with podcasts, you know, like this one and, and different things available to, to everybody to be able to continue to educate themselves. This would actually also help them in the right direction of what to be doing, what to be reading, what to be, you know, maybe listening to, to maybe encourage some of those changes in their lives. So like that, I love that a lot. So, um, it's also very challenging to find a mentor. I mean, we've talked about how it can help women. We've also talked about how it can help you in your career, but it's very, very challenging to find a mentor. And I know a lot of people or, or, you know, um, people in speaking positions and things like that. And I'm sure you've probably seen this before. People come up to you and say, you know, can you be my mentor? Um, I'm not necessarily sure that's the right approach, but what are the top three tips maybe to finding a mentor and, and really establishing that, that connection that's going to bring value to both people? Well, first, you have to determine what do you want out of your mentor? Do you want someone from inside the company that will help you elevate yourself? Or do you want someone from the outside the company who has a similar role that you as you so that they can help you maneuver some of the challenges they've faced at their own company. Secondly, you look for someone with time. Um, you're, you're right. You don't want to ask somebody who's way overextended because they're not going to put the effort into helping you um, succeed in your career. And thirdly, you need to look for somebody who's taking an interest in you as a person. You don't want someone to just say, sure, I'll be your mentor, and then just kind of blow you off or maybe give you a, you know, send you an email once in a while and, and say, Hey, you know, make sure you're doing this or make sure you're doing that. So, you know, what is it you want out of the mentor? Um, how much time does the person have? And does, do they have a personal interest in your career? Um, are the three things that I would be asking before I reached out to somebody. Some people are very flattered to be asked to be a mentor. But other people are like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you're like the fifth person who's asked me this week. So I'm just, I just don't have the time to do that. And that's okay. Um, because you don't want somebody who's not going to really invest their time and energy into your career. Yeah. And I guess one of the things to really mention here is also managing expectations, right? Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, because you want to go into the relationship and, and make sure that you're not expecting too much and um, that you're also meeting their level of expectation of what they're expecting from you. I mean, what does that usually look like in a mentor-mentee relationship? Well, sometimes they're uh, more informal mentoring relationships and sometimes they're formal. So companies like UPS have set up formal mentoring relationships and they actually have to check boxes and say, yes, they've met and yes, they've had an annual review and things like that. So that helps you define the expectations in advance. But in an informal mentoring situation, you're right. You need to sit down and say, what, how, do we, how do we define success? What does success look like? And what length of time are we going to commit to this? Um, how often do you want to meet? Do you want to meet virtually? Do you want to meet in person? Um, what length of time are we going to share on a you know weekly or monthly basis? And then what... What is the outcome? What, when do you end? So yeah, you have to sit down and talk to your mentor and your mentee and just say, these are what I see success as. Um, and sometimes things will change. Maybe you'll get a job promotion and move out of the area, or maybe you'll move into a different company or, or something might happen that will end the mentoring um, relationship. And that's okay as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that uh, women in trucking have uh, what's called a mentorship matchup. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and how it works? Could you repeat that? You cut out on that one. Sorry, sorry. So um, yeah, I believe that women in trucking has a mentorship matchup. We do. Um, on our website, uh, it's under our career center. And so you can sign up to be a mentor and you can write the qualifications on what you're looking for and what you have so that someone can come to the site and say, hey, I'm looking for someone. And I know uh, uh, some everyone from truck drivers to women in leadership roles have signed up to be mentors. And it's kind of neat when, you know, you don't usually find mentors in the driver population. Um, you find trainers, but then that relationship ends quickly. So it's kind of neat when you see a driver who's an owner operator or, or, you know, even a company driver to say, I want to be a mentor to someone and help them maneuver through some of the questions they might not be able to ask their company. Absolutely. Okay. So we talked about some of the key benefits of women in leadership. Um, you were talking about a little bit more of maybe some, some cost savings, um, some mitigation of risk, different things like that. So when it comes to mentorship, though, what are some of the key benefits that an organization can see if they start encouraging that kind of um, collaboration? Well, I'm going to talk about one company in particular, um, and that was Daimler, and they helped us write a mentoring program that we can share with other companies. But the benefits they've seen, they've, they've put women in uh, mentoring relationships with women in other positions, so across the company. So the good thing is if you're maybe in engineering, you can find out what the person in safety, what their challenges are. Or maybe you'll find out what a person in, you know, uh, another area sales or something like that. So I think one of the benefits is that you can learn more about other parts of the company um, if you are, you know, mentor, matched with somebody in a different department. And especially with the larger companies, there's lots of job positions there. And maybe... Um, you know, you might be interested in something that's outside of your department. So you can learn more about it by having a mentor in that area. 
Yeah, I love that. That's a really great example. So what's next for women in trucking? I mean, it sounds like you're, you guys are doing so many amazing things in the trucking industry. I love, I love the conference. Maybe talk a little bit more about the conference. Does it only happen once a year? I think, I think you said that it just happened. Um, so I'd love to know a little bit more about all of those opportunities that women have, um, in women in trucking. And then maybe tell us a little bit more about what's next. Next, what are you guys working on in the future? You talked a little bit about, about the um, social communities. So, well, I, I'm glad you asked about our conference because although we're going into our eleventh uh, our eleventh anniversary, it was only a couple years ago that we decided that um, we were big enough to be able to support a conference. So, the very first year, I was really hoping to get 100 people. The very first year, we had over 300, and so the second year, we had over 400, and this year was our third year, and over 500 people registered for our event. So. I realize that we really did strike a nerve in this industry. And I have to tell you, even though we're called women in trucking, we have many, many um, warehouses. We have manufacturers. We have truck driving schools. We have uh, logistics companies. We have, I mean, even though we're called women in trucking, we really have people um, who are members from all areas of the supply chain. So let me tell you about a couple of the things that we've done that um, have benefited the industry as a whole. So I said we wanted to increase the percentage of women employed in the industry. Well, how do we do that? So some of the obstacles that we've addressed, and since we have both carriers and manufacturers and schools and other organizations that are members of Women in Trucking, um, we also have drivers. And so we work with the truck cab manufacturers on truck cab design and ergonomics. And they have taken a lot of the feedback from our drivers and put it into their truck cab design. And I'm really proud of the uh, most recent model Peterbilt came out with. And it has a porta potty under the passenger seat, but it also has a safety alarm system in the sleeper cab. So if drivers are sleeping and someone tries to get, get in, they'll be um, notified. But we also work with the truck stops on safety and security and amenities. Um, and they've changed the way they do things. Their showers, they now have big fluffy towels and hair dryers and big um, shower heads. And, and they're cleaning their filtration system because our members have complained about that. But moving beyond the driver uh, you know, community, we have an anti-harassment employment guide that we give to our carrier members if they have unrelated individuals in the cab of the truck, like in a team situation or a training situation. We have a recruiting guide for carriers, how to recruit female drivers, what do women look for, where to um, advertise. Um, we also are coming out with a best practices guide. So we've done a lot of research on uh, what companies ha have done right that have a higher percentage of female drivers. A couple of things that I'm really proud of. We found out that the Girl Scouts or the Boy Scouts um, had a transportation patch and the Girl Scouts didn't. So we created one and um, over 400 Girl Scouts and Girl Guides in Canada um, have earned that patch already. We have the curriculum and we're working on a supply chain activity book that goes along with that that talks about how the grain in the field goes to the bakery, goes to the packaging, goes to the warehouse distribution. And the Girl Scout or the Girl Guide is the final mile. So that activity book should be out pretty soon. Um, and then I'm, I'm really happy that we have, um, well, I'm working on a doll, a girl, um, I'm sorry, a truck driver doll. And that will be out hopefully this spring. 
And um, because we want young girls to be introduced to careers in transportation. So it'll be the first doll. And I'm hoping that it will turn into a series so that we can have maybe the next doll could be a technician and the next one maybe could be a safety director or whatever. Um, but a couple of the other things that we've done to promote successes, we have our annual uh, salute to women behind the wheel at the Mid-America Trucking Show. And then we also have one in Canada. It will be at Truck World in April. So we honor female professional drivers, give them a shirt and a goodie bag and, you know, let them meet each other and then, you know, thank them for what they're doing because they're still pioneers. In the U.S., we're under 7% uh, driver population. And then in Canada, you're under 3% female drivers. We also have a Distinguished Woman in Logistics, and we're actually accepting applications for that award right now that will be given out at the Transportation Intermediaries Association event in California um, this spring. And then we have an Influential Woman in Trucking Award where we honor a female professional in the industry who's been influential. And our recipient this past year was Daphne Jefferson, who is the Federal Motor Carrier Deputy Administrator. So we we call out attention to the women who have been successful in the industry. And another thing that we do is we give ride-alongs. And we we are working on, we have an image team of professional drivers who give rides to our elected officials and regulatory officials. And so we're working on creating a Canadian image team right now so we can give some of the Canadian uh, officials rides in a truck because we feel it's valuable for them to get a little glimpse of what it's like for a driver out on the highway, especially when they're making laws that affect the driver every day. So those are some of the things that we're doing. We've got lots more. Oh, and, and we're giving away a truck um, in March to some lucky uh, professional driver, uh, and that will be at the Mid-America Trucking Show. So lots of things going on, um, trying to really get the word out. And 10% of our members are in Canada, so we're not just uh, you know a U.S.-based organization. We're, we really are international. Awesome. Well, just some of those things that you are mentioning is amazing, you know, getting in front of girls when they're younger, just to give them a broader sense of, of what they can be when they grow up. I mean, that's amazing in itself. I love the fact that you're working with trucking companies to take a look at the cab for, you know, obviously different needs from a male to a female. And then the truck stops. I mean, that is so important because because the safety of everybody is super important, not just the female drivers as well as the male drivers. Um, but it just brings it more to light when it comes to females, you know, stopping at a truck stop in the middle of the night and different things like that, and them feeling safe um, so that they can take on some of these careers. So it's like you give them a virtual big hug and give them a boost in the right direction and also give them a boost along the way. And I just, I love love that. Women supporting women, you know, men supporting women. This is all what needs to be happening right now. Now, before we go, I just have one question for you because um, in one of my past episodes, we were talking about driver shortages and uh, road congestion. And I just wanted to get kind of your thoughts on that. Um, with more and more females maybe coming into the industry, you know, is that going to help with driver shortages? 
Oh, definitely. Um, like I said, we're under 7% in the U.S. and under 3% in Canada. And if you think about it, women make up half the workforce in the rest of the world, you know, in the rest of other, you know, yeah. overall. So all those seats that could be filled could be filled by women. The problem is women don't know they can do the job and they don't know that they're valued and they don't know they're wanted. So that's where we come in. We go out and we, we tell them, you know, you can do this. Or we have a member of the month every month and we have um, her talk to, you know, on the radio and we have her talk about what her job is, whether it's hauling trash for a waste management company or being a safety director or, or maybe owning a company. But we need to let women know that they can do this job. That's our biggest challenge. They just, they don't think about it. It's just not on their radar. So the more we can get women out there, get young girls playing with a truck driver doll, having them do the supply chain book, we'll get more women into the industry. Um, but they need to understand that they can do it. And one other thing I'd like to add about that, as women, we want to know that we're doing something for the greater good. And the trucking industry doesn't do a good enough job to say, do you know how that gallon of milk gets on your grocery store shelf. So we need people to look at that gallon of milk and relate it to that truck on the highway because we're not doing a good enough job of saying you would be contributing to the economy in a way that you don't, you know, you couldn't even imagine. I mean, people look at the trucks on the road and they go, yep, their trucks are in my way. They've got smokestacks and diesel engines. Well, guess what? That truck is hauling something that you might be buying in the next day or two. Well, yeah, and that brings us to a good point. I mean, they're helping to feed families. Exactly. Right. And I, you know, I want every little girl who's ever been a Girl Scout or a Girl Guide to look at a truck and go, that could be my cookies in there. Yeah, yeah, you know, or that could be my vegetables that go into my meal or, or all sorts of things. So absolutely, female drivers, they're, they are contributing to the economy. They are tr contributing to families around the world. And so I absolutely applaud you for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing and everything that you're going to be doing moving forward. And I am so excited to, you know, just follow in your journey and see where this goes and, and, and just support you with everything that you're doing. So if you're looking for more information about women in trucking, please go to their website, womenintrucking.org, and we will link to the articles Ellen wrote on these topics at twobabestalksupplychain.com forward slash episode dash 65. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ellen. It's amazing what you are doing in the trucking industry. Well, thank you so much for helping me get the word out. And I hope people do come and join and look at our website because male, female, any position you are in in supply chain, really, um, we can help you. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Ellen. You too. Thank you. If for any reason you have not heard me talk about the top secret project I am currently working on, make sure to go to ships.com. That is S-H-I-P-Z.com. So you can be one of the first to know all about this brand new online platform. Well, that's a wrap on part one. I hope that you enjoyed the first Women in Supply Chain episode and are looking forward to the amazing women we will be interviewing. Next episode, we are taking it to a whole new level. Dan from IDC is back again to talk about the cannabis supply chain. We will cover transportation, regulations, and so much more. So make sure to stay tuned for that episode because you're not going to want to miss that one. 
Thank you for listening. Please rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We really want to get the word out there, and we want others to be able to find us and be able to tune in and hear from all of our guests. Have an amazing day, and remember, everyone, ship happens.